When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. Off-season activities are in full effect across many dynasty leagues right now. And as always, trades are the hot topic as fantasy managers try to get out ahead of the market on players whose value may be appreciating or depreciating headed into, into the 2023 season. Uh, it's early in the year and a lot can still happen and will happen, but we know those moves are going to be made either way. So go get your trading fingers ready as we figure out which players to target and which ones to banish to the shadow realm. Let's get it. All right. Uh, first off, before we even get started, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you just saw a fire intro video uh, for the show, which I can't take any credit for. That's all Josh Raymer uh, and whoever he did to uh, whoever he hired to do that because it looks damn fine. But just another reason to watch the YouTube for that alone right there. Uh, looking super cool. I'm pretty sure I just heard Adam yell that it gave him chills from like 600 miles away. So, uh, uh, but anyways, back to the topic at hand uh, and another reason to, to watch the YouTube as well. We are doing IDP buy and sell candidates from the AFC and joining me for the second year in a row, even though he has no recollection of it, probably uh, too many peyote filled uh, desert walks out there in Arizona. It's the young king himself, Evan Ronda. Evan, what is up, man? How's it going, Macri? I, you know, I don't have any excuses because we did we did this last year. We even did the draft podcast, and mm-hmm. I just had a big brain fart when I said that. So, you know, let's uh, we'll just start off on a new foot. Hopefully, you you know don't throw me under the bus with your data and secretly have done a bunch of research about all my players and just how bad they actually are. So we'll find <laughs> out how it goes. But I am excited to be back on one of my favorite shows ever so it's going to be a really really fun time i appreciate it and and no i i understand uh it's uh you do you do a quite a bit bit of podcasting yourself over there so it's easy to forget and and yeah you you filled in for this podcast uh a few times uh last season when uh my kid was born and and we were in the hospital and stuff like that so uh, i appreciate you and yeah i'm 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 glad you're back as well because yeah, you're a fun person to talk to. You know your stuff. And especially when it comes to trading and things like that, you ha- you have really great insights. So I appreciate you coming on and talking uh, some buy-sell candidates with me here. Oh, yeah. Hey, and your, your trading compliment, while it's taken well, it's also from personal experience, now that I'm finally in a couple leagues with you, just seeing how hard it is to get a trade done with the Macri, who nothing right. slips by him. I can't buy high or or buy low or sell high on any of these guys. You're too sharp. So, man, this is going to be a fun time to talk about these players because I'm going to scour all my rosters once we're done here and see if I can give you any of these players. We'll find out. 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully that's what everybody does. Everybody checks their roster, so, sees who they have, who we talked about, who they can move, and, and who they can try and target um, this offseason before things get really crazy with free agency. And and yeah, I, I appreciate that. We we are in a few leagues together, and I know I, I can be a little bit uh, a little bit tight when it comes to trading players, and uh, especially in season as I'm I'm trying to compete and things like that. I get a little picky. So um, yeah, I, I you know I still make my fair deal of trades but i'm pretty careful about them i try not to trade just for the sake of trading i know a lot of people like to do that too myself included it's a it's a fault of mine for sure so i'm working on it it's it's honestly it's a blessing in disguise not getting a trade done with you because at the end of the day i probably wouldn't benefit from it anyways Fair enough. Yeah, no, it is. It's fun though. It's fun to get trades done. It's it. You know, it's a nice endorphin release as it uh, as it get the accepted notification and and we get new players added to our team. And that that's kind of what we're going to be doing. Um, you know, looking at this episode. I mean, this this is mostly based around like trading guys and and acquiring guys. But you could look at it too from a, a perspective of like drafting as well, like dynasty drafts. Looking at how these guys um, should be valued based on last season or, or expected seasons um, coming. So uh, there's, there's different ways to kind of look at it and keeping in mind, like every league and manager is going to value players differently. There isn't really a set price tag in mind for uh, a lot of these guys. There's just players that um, I think we think uh, you should be targeting. If, if we feel the final trade or draft value is worth it when it, comes time to pull the trigger basically so we'll give you plenty of reasons why we like or dislike uh each guy as we go through this list but ultimately you're going to make moves that you're comfortable with so keep that in mind as we roll on as well um also well aware that free agency hasn't even happened yet uh and it won't go down until march 15th but as of right now these are the guys that we want to target who we think have a chance uh to see their value greatly increase by the end of this uh, next season or guys that we want to jettison out of here before their value falls too low. Um, some of them heading into free agency as well. So uh, with the guys that we think we could get a high level of return on right now. Um, anyways, enough of the jibber jabber, Evan, uh, you get to kick us off here uh, as we go through our list of, of buy sells target, avoid, however you want to phrase it. Um, starting off, in the AFC North with uh, your Steelers and which IDP you think people should be buying right now. Yeah. And, and kind of like what you were saying, right? There's, there's a certain level of information that we can take away from these. So I'll try and share my thought process for why I picked what I picked. And some of that information is, you know, hopefully evergreen and some sort of process that might not necessarily apply to these players specifically, but that might not necessarily be the case with this guy because Alex Highsmith, the edge for the Steelers is my buy. And man, I, I love this guy. I mean, obviously I'm a Steelers fan. He was great last season. He has continued to improve in the absence of TJ Watt somehow seemed to just allow Highsmith to continue to improve. Now he's still young. He's still developing. And yes, he's coming off of a relatively strong season. So with a lot of buys and sells, generally we would buy somebody relative to their price or sell someone relative to their price. And Alex Highsmith has a price that might be a little higher than some other guys that we'll be talking about as buys on the show. But sometimes you just got to buy a, buy a guy, even though you're buying him high, because it's tough to get 
good young edge rushers at reasonable prices. I mean, we've been doing some of these IDP only best ball drafts this season. And man, these first two rounds are just absolutely loaded with these young, productive edge rushers. And I would expect in dynasty leagues, they would also be, you know, very expensive. You can't get a guy at that tier for a reasonable price. And so if you have to pay for Alex Highsmith and you can afford it, and an edge rusher of his caliber is somebody that your team needs, I would be okay paying for someone like that. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the Steelers have, they've really leaned like heavily on Highsmith over the past two years. Um, I, I don't think they'll have much choice but to do so again in 2023. Uh, there aren't really any options to replace him in the pipeline right now. Um, they don't have a ton of cap. I, I, I wrote him up uh, earlier this offseason as an early extension candidate um, just because of how crucial he is for that defense. And and honestly, they might want to reward him before they grind him down to a nub with another <laughs> like 900 plus snap season. So, um, yeah, I, I, I still really like Highsmith. He did have like the second most sacks over expected uh, last season. Uh, so something to keep in mind if those pass, mesh, pass rush metrics don't necessarily come up, we could see those sack totals come down a little bit. But I mean, uh, the volume's going to be there. He's young. He, he's still developing. Um, he's playing on a very good defense to uh, generate sacks. So I think he'll still be able to produce uh, at a high level. I like the call there. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us who your sell is for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, man, I... I wouldn't be surprised if he has had his name mentioned as a sell multiple times on multiple shows, but my sell is linebacker Miles Jack. And I've kind of specified an if you can, right? Because sometimes you just can't dump bad players. He's granted the only linebacker left on the roster is Devin Bush and Robert Spillane are currently set to be free agents, but the Steelers should and probably will cut him and save $8 million in doing so. Straight up, he's just not a great football player. I mean, he's got cut from the Jags a while back. He was iffy on the Steelers this year, you know, went through some injuries, had some times where he was activated to play and then just didn't play. So, you know, he might've burned a couple people there too. But simply put, if you can ever sell a linebacker and get a decent return, generally speaking, I would advise to do that with a couple exceptions here and there. But if you can sell Miles Jack with the expectation on our end that he's probably going to be a backup or rotational player on his new team, assuming he goes to a new team, you'll probably benefit at the end of the day if you get some kind of a return on that, in my opinion. For sure. And Jack kind of did IDP managers a bit of a favor uh, last year by being overly productive compared to what his his snaps were. Um, but I don't think there was really anything more telling about how the team feels about Jack than his usage near the end of the season. You touched on it, right? They were making a serious push for the wild card spot. And despite how productive he was, they clearly didn't feel comfortable with him uh, playing significant snaps. I mean, they played Robert Spillane over him which should tell you a lot right there as well. Uh, the other thing with the Steelers too, they they really deployed like linebacker or situation specific linebacker um, deployments. So guys were playing on third down only or early downs only. And, and it was specific guys, dime packages. They, they were really mixing and matching, um, but there was definitely a pattern for it. And Jack just started to get phased out of those situations um, as he became a liability. So uh, absolutely, I'm I'm 100% for, for selling Miles Jack. 
Awesome. I'm I'm glad we're in agreement there. Whenever I think of of like your stereotypical kind of trash, I don't want to say trash, but <laughs> not not great linebacker. I mean, sure. Miles Jack comes to mind. Tay Crowder comes to mind. Alex Anzalone comes to mind. Um, and so these kinds of guys, you know, if they ever get an opportunity to to score a couple points, man, that's like hot potato. Just dump them off to somebody. Get what you can yeah. and and get out while you still can. Absolutely. Yeah. And linebackers are easier to sell than most positions, right? People love linebackers. If they have a somewhat productive season, people are going to have eyes on them and they're going to probably want uh, a chance to roster them, right? So Jack is one of those guys and he has decent draft capital from whatever it was, 2018 or something like that, 2017, maybe second round pick. So there's there's still some value to be had for Jack if you can move him, if you can, like Evan said. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see. I I'm cheating a little bit because I saw your list. I'm kind of sure. trying to segue into this because I'm this is a great player and I'm excited for you to talk about him. Yeah. So we'll move to the Cleveland Browns, staying in the AFC North, and and you mentioned it too. Sometimes you have to buy good players um, at high price tags. And honestly, looking at the Browns, man, there's not a lot of players that I want to buy. Uh, so I'm putting Miles Garrett as my buy for the for the Cleveland Browns. Um, uh, we'll get it out of the way, but he's probably going to be the most expensive player uh, to target on this list because first off not every team um, has an IDP worthy of trying to buy low on uh, like I said with the Browns so uh, there are some players that are going to be worth the price tag and and Garrett even though he's headed into his seventh season it's at this point that people are starting to kind of cool on him maybe for that reason in particular right because they're expecting some kind of decline as he uh has these years ahead uh, behind him and he's getting into the you know the middle to later part of his career but there really has been zero signs of a decline in his game uh in fact he's never actually he's actually never played better than he has in the past two seasons. He earned a 92 PFF grade in 2021 and then 92.5 in 2022. Both of those making him the top graded player at his position. So 16 sacks in each of those years is really, really impressive. Um, He even improved his pass rush grade this year to a 93.5. The guy really isn't playing any better. If If you're finding that there's um, fantasy managers that are looking to move on, trying to get younger um, and, and looking to move Garrett, if there's somebody that, you know, maybe wants to target a, a, a Will Anderson in the draft and, and they want one of those um, late first round picks, I would hundred percent buy Miles Garrett for a late first round pick in this year's draft um, with that in mind. So um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a market uh, where you could potentially buy Miles Garrett. It's going to be one of the tougher buys because um, anybody that uh, is smart is probably holding on to him and, and letting him help win you championships, but there are going to be people that want to skew younger as well. So um, taking a shot uh, to try and spend some capital, I, I think it's, he'll be worth the price. Absolutely. And I think as we're in draft season, I mean, there's this thing called, you know, prospect fatigue, which I'm sure you're familiar with is just, you know, we just kind of get tired of guys that we know are good, mm-hmm. you know? So I think maybe we can kind of have something to be said here from Miles Garrett. Can like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like we just got these guys that are just really, really good at football and they continue to be really, really good at football. But there's, you know, there's exciting new guys that you'd rather talk about. But truth be told, Miles Garrett is still playing at a defensive player of the year caliber caliber level. And he is just continuing to be amazing. I mean, even just a quick thought, you know, while we're talking about trading and the concept of value consolidation, trading multiple fewer things for one greater thing, there are very few assets in IDP that have 
value as concentrated as Miles Garrett does. You get one roster position with all of that production in it. And if you can trade multiple, multiple players, multiple assets for one asset, I mean, you know, most of you guys that have been, you know, playing fantasy football for a while know this inherently, but just kind of putting a name to it, trade a bunch of guys for Miles Garrett, trade a pick for Miles Garrett, like Macri said, or do what you can find a manager that is, you know, a little tired of Miles Garrett and do what you can, even if the sum of the parts that you're sending might be greater than what you're getting back. You have to account for the fact that you're getting all of that consolidated production in one roster spot, which is something that cannot be quantified. Beautifully put. Uh, very well said. That's why we have you on this show for beautiful insight like that, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. That's that's exactly the mindset you should have when you're looking to buy uh, a high-end player. Not everybody on this list is going to be somebody you have to pay that capital for. There's going to be a few, but Miles Garrett is absolutely one you should be uh, looking to do that with. So as far as sells on the Cleveland Browns, I am going to be going with uh, safety, Grant Delpit. So he's coming off a 100-plus tackle season. Um, he has that exciting draft capital that people love. He was a second-round pick in 2021. Those are the kinds of things that we notice draw the eyes of dynasty managers, and it makes him a good sell candidate at a very replaceable position as well. Um Look, the guy played over a thousand snaps last year. He even got a decent box roll, nearly 40%. So when you keep context in mind with those types of snaps, playing over a thousand snaps, a hundred tackles isn't really all that special, although you can sell it um, like that, right? He basically did as expected from that role. If people are watching that they see his player card right now, it was slightly under, he was minus 1.5 uh, below tackles versus expected. So it's not a bad thing, but it's also the work of your typical average safety in that exact role, which was, which did lean uh, heavily into that, into his box snaps. Right. So um, I think the box role is probably still going to be there under Jim Schwartz. Um, he did play just as much single high during his tenure with, uh, with the Eagles Schwartz did as Joe Woods did in Cleveland. But I think the big difference with Schwartz was there was more like man heavy schemes. So more cover one where Joe Woods was more cover three. So more zone heavy over there. So we'll see how much that actually transfers over um, to the Browns, but that's kind of what the information is that we have most recently on, on Jim Schwartz. The difference in efficiency for safeties going from a cover three scheme to a cover one scheme is pretty significant. It's over a full percentage point in favor of the zone heavy scheme, the cover three scheme. So it's like 10.8% efficiency versus 9.4 for people who want the exact numbers. Um, and then just building on the context of that, players playing over a thousand snaps again, like Grant Elpit, that's a difference about of about 15 tackles on a year. So which is about three games worth for most safeties, right? So just keeping something like that in mind. Um, but again, anytime you feel you can get good value from the safety position in a trade, you do it. Delpit, someone who has value in dynasty circles right now, so you can capitalize on that and go find the next guy fairly easily. These tackle efficiency percentages, just inject this directly into my veins. I need all of this in my life. I love this kind of stuff because this is... This is really the point, I think, where we are at as an IDP industry, where we get the edge. You know, I, 
as somebody who likes to win, <laughs> um, right, you, you want to find an edge, you want to find sure. a way to get ahead of your competition. And, you know, there's a lot of really, really smart managers. And so Macri, I've, you know, not to inflate the ego over here, but, you know, I, I have so much love and so much respect for what you're doing as far as finding the next edge. What is the next thing that we can do to figure out what we can expect from these players production wise? I'll also say just on a, just like on a philosophical basis for buys and sells currently Grant Delpit's really the only safety that the Browns have. Ronnie Harrison's a free agent. They just cut John Johnson. Mm -hmm. The news of the Browns signing another safety because they absolutely will. They'll either sign one or draft one. The news of them adding to the safety room might make managers a little tentative to buy Grant Delpit. So the fact that he's the only guy there and they're coming off, you know, he's coming off of a very productive season could be what you need to sell him because what people might be forgetting or discounting is the fact that they have a new defensive coordinator and a new scheme, just like what you were talking about. So timing is important on this time uh, timing as far as, you know, dumping him before they add someone or draft someone. And also before he starts playing again, and he's not as efficient as he once was. So I, I really like this as a sell option. Beautiful. All right, let's keep it rolling in the AFC North here. And speaking of safeties, let's go to the Bengals. Who do you have as a buy here? Yeah, shoot, man. I just, I realized it's all safeties here. <laughs> uh, well, my buy here is, is Dax or Daxton Hill. I talked about him last week on the breakout show. There is nothing super complicated about this one. I don't have the advanced analytics mostly because he didn't do too much last year. He only really played one full game, and that was filling in for the slot cornerback, Mike Hilton. But the reason that I believe Dax Hill is a great buy right now is because both Bengals' current starting safeties, or I should say former starting safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell, are both free agents. Now, they could bring one of them back. I highly doubt that they'll bring both of them back. And Daxon Hill was a first-round pick last year. Seems a little strange that he was the guy that they drafted in the first round, considering their needs elsewhere and, you know, just the fact that they didn't give him very much playing time. But the truth remains, they have invested a lot into him. And so I expect him to take over one of those vacated roles. Now, it's still to be determined whether or not he plays the primarily strong safety or primarily deep safety role. But there's not a huge difference between, you know, both of those roles. I still expect the production to be good. And the fact is, if you find the right manager, and that's an if, right? Because there are some people in your leagues like Macri who knows exactly what Dax Hill is and what to expect from him. But there are other managers who just look at his game log and see, oh, he didn't really do anything last year. Or better yet, he's on waivers because he didn't do anything last year. Then great, add him and wait and see what happens because I'm very optimistic for what can happen for him down the road. Yeah, definitely. And he's, he's a good example of why doing this show before free agency is a nice little window to buy him, right? Because before news of Von Bell or, or Jesse Bates, whoever it ends up being, um, ends up signing somewhere else and people start to realize like, oh, there's a hole in that Cincinnati safety room. Who's got the, who's the next guy up? Oh, they spent the first round pick on this Daxton Hill character. So you, you, you want to try to get in on those things before they happen. We kind of have a sense that, like Evan said, there's probably a good chance that at least one of um, 
the Bengals safeties from last year is going to be gone, whether it's Bell or Bates. It could be both. Um, we, we don't know yet until uh, free agency actually kicks off, but they, they, the investment is there with Hill, right? And that's what we really want. We know that he's going to, they drafted him with the idea in mind that he's going to replace uh, pending free agents, Fawn Bell or Jesse Bates. So he's going to get a nice starting role next year, uh, whether it's the Bates role or the Bell role. We don't know it 100% yet, but um, either way, betting on a safety that's playing 100% of snaps and uh, should be a pretty productive guy. We'll see exactly where he lines up. But um, I, yeah, like Evan said, I don't think there's really uh, too much of a price tag on him right now. I think you could get him fairly cheap, uh, even in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah. And another quick thought as far as buys go, I have a couple of just bonus dudes thrown in mm-hmm. here because I can't I can't just, just choose one. Sure. Uh, Jermaine Pratt is interesting, <laughs> theoretically. So this might be, right, if you're in a league with people that aren't super sharp, this might actually be harder than if you were in a league with people that are super sharp. Because my thought process when I think about Jermaine Pratt is he's a rotational guy, right? Logan Wilson's the main dude. But if I wasn't plugged in, I might not know that Jermaine Pratt is a free agent and a linebacker that could be sought after in free agency and upgrade potentially from a rotational role to a full-time role. Now, that's not as much of a buy as Dax Hill is, but just something I wanted to throw out is information that you can use as a listener because he's a free agent. He did pretty well this past season. Not necessarily something we need to touch on. If you have thoughts, we can talk about it after I mention the cells. But talking about the cells, Right, we we just mentioned these safeties here, Von Bell and or Jesse Bates. One of those is going to a new team. Sell defensive backs whenever you can. I don't even know if we've mentioned this on the show so far today, but defensive backs are one of the most volatile positions in all of fantasy football, and they're also one of the deepest positions in all of fantasy football. Basically, what that means is don't expect year over year consistency from that player. Unlike with wide receiver or running back or even quarterback, if you're in a super flex league, where you invest your value into an asset and expect that asset to appreciate or sustain its value for a long time, defensive backs aren't the same way, right? You can have a guy that's the defensive back one, one year, and be completely gone the next year, unless that player's name is Derwin James. I will give that. But um, with Von Bell and Jesse Bates, right, one of them's going to sign a fancy new contract with the team this season. When that happens, people are going to be like, oh, huh, so-and-so just got a fancy new deal. They must be good. Great. Sell them. That's all you need to do. This is not a very high IQ take. There will be some of those later on. Don't worry. But as for right now, this is a very simple, look, you're going to want to sell these guys anyways because any opportunity you can get to sell defensive backs, do it. Here's your opportunity. Here's your game plan. Wait for them to sign a contract with the team. Boom. Put them on the trade block and see what kind of interest you can garner. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, well said again, like both these guys make a ton of sense to try and move on from again, like Jesse Bates is probably, I'd say the most likely to go somewhere else. I think he's going to command a high price tag. I don't know if the Bengals are are willing to pay it. So I could see him going to a new team, people being excited about it. Absolutely sell Jesse Bates. Uh, Von Bell, if he's the guy to go to, I mean, he was the one that got that box heavy role. He just didn't do much with it. You saw the card there uh, for people that um, that were paying attention on on the YouTube. But Von Bell 
minus 20.3 tackles below expected. So really underperformed from that box heavy role. Um, and there's no real guarantee that he's going to get a similar role on a new team uh, if he does sign somewhere else. So when it comes to those guys that are below average in, in uh, efficiency, knowing that they're not going to get the um, favorable designations uh, or deployments on, on a new team, we really want to move on from those guys. And that's, to me, that's Von Bell. If we, if we see him go somewhere else, absolutely. Uh, we should be moving on from these guys. And that's why Dax Hill uh, is a good buy as well. So yeah, you're right. A lot of safety talk so far. There will be a few more, but uh, absolutely selling high on safeties is the way to go. Um, and I'm not usually one to buy safeties, but I will move on to the the uh, Baltimore Ravens here where there is absolutely one uh, that I have to uh, name here and one that I will be trying to buy uh, wherever I can, wherever I don't have them already this offseason. And that is Kyle Hamilton of the Baltimore Ravens. So this one... Um, Honestly, like I said, going to be one of my biggest priorities to acquire where I can this offseason. I don't think, I think we said this last episode, but I don't think there's a safety with more upside in a full-time role than Hamilton based on what we saw as a rookie in a limited role and what we know about him coming out of college as well, right? He's an athletic playmaking um, safety. He has that ability that that made him the first-round pick last year. Uh, we saw it on display a bit as a rookie, but most people probably didn't pay attention to it or even notice it because it was in that part-time role uh, that kept him out of most IDP lineups. He averaged just 53% of de defensive snaps on the year and was able to post 62 tackles. Uh, so that's 3.6 over expected. He also added two sacks, five QB hits, four tackles for loss, five pass breakups, and a forced fumble. I mean, he looked legit, and that translated to the grades as well. He was the highest-graded rookie safety in run defense as a pass rusher in coverage and overall, and he was actually fifth overall among all safeties uh, last season. So, you know, the approach to to buying a Kyle Hamilton low right now should always be hinged on, you know, reminding those managers that do currently have him that he's, you know, maybe he's going to continue in that part-time role in 2023 with Chuck Clark, uh, Chuck Clark still on the roster currently uh and he might but again chuck clark there's rumors already i think it was you evan actually that sent it out uh sent us the note along about chuck clark potentially being cut or traded this offseason so before that happens before people are all in on hamilton season um we want to get in and try to buy him now while there's still some doubt of his playing time in 2023 the guy's going to be just 22 years old this coming season um he has the size to play in the box along the defensive line rush the passer and flourish more than the large majority of safeties are capable of um and we've already seen this uh success as a coverage player with his primary slot role which we saw from i think it was week eight or nine uh he took on the primary slot role for the ravens and flourished again 76.8 coverage grade Go get Hamilton now. Um, if you have to wait a year to plug him into lineups, that's fine. Um, but do it now and then thank me later because the guy's going to be an absolute stud at safety. Amen. Preach, preach, preach. I love it. In lieu of, of just repeating everything you said because you just nailed it all, I'll save the listeners time, but I'm, I'm a little upset. You, I didn't get the opportunity to get the cuck Clark. So I will just, you know, <laughs> have an opportunity to say the cut Clark, hopefully, because yes. uh, when that happens, man, that role that that cuck had is, is 
really, really profitable. And so I'm, I'm excited for the future for Kyle Hamilton. Anybody that, that is locked in or dialed in at all to IDP in general knows how exciting of a player Kyle Hamilton is. And so it's just a matter of time until he absolutely bursts into the, the dynasty IDP one IDP DB one conversation. Um, because yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of young guys up there. I mean, Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Petrie. I mean, Derwin James is still at a commanding lead up there at the top, but I think Kyle Hamilton could very, very quickly elevate himself back up there. I think he's kind of dipped down a little bit because of how limited he was this past season. But, but yeah, I, as far as the reasons why you should buy him, you nailed it all. I'm hundred percent in agreement with you and I'm very excited to see him unfortunately destroy my Steelers twice a year. <laughs> yeah, no, he's I'm, I'm with you. He's right there. He's just waiting to kind of burst up to the top of the, the top two, top one, maybe um, after we see him in a full-time role, just waiting to get up those dynasty ranks uh, once that full-time role happens, but uh, he's already pretty close. So I really like Hamilton, obviously. Um, somebody I don't like on the Ravens, uh, <laughs> uh, to be fair, this may very well be like the third straight year that I've written <laughs> up Patrick Queen as a sell, uh, in some way, shape or form. But also to be fair to me, we should all still very much be trying to sell him to anyone who is still a believer. Um, and if that queen believer is you, I'm, I'm here to help you move on. Uh, look, <laughs> reason one, he's a first round linebacker. Uh, who does not play anywhere near the caliber of a first round linebacker. Uh, yes, he had a career year in terms of PFF grades. It was a 70.0 overall. Um, but this is after posting league worst grades in the year prior. Um, so right there, great selling point. You could say that he's improving. Thank you very much, Mr. Queen. Reason two, the Ravens just made Roquan Smith the highest paid linebacker in the league it's hard to imagine that they'll be investing much more capital in the linebacker position after this year. So kind of have to imagine queen is leaving the team that drafted him, in which case his value becomes a crapshoot depending on where he lands. You want to try to get ahead of those, um, that situation before he becomes a pending free agent and reason three, I mean, the Ravens also just spent the first round pick on a six, four, 222, 221 pound safety who can absolutely work as a linebacker in specific packages, Mr. Kyle Hamilton, uh, and is a much better coverage player, which helps limit the risk of continuing to put queen out there um, and, and get mismatched. So you look at a guy coming off a career year in terms of production, 117 tackles, five sacks, really still ineffective um, for the position with negative 12.7 uh, tackles below expected. So he's not, giving us anything special really yeah the five sacks are great but we don't know which weeks those are coming um or he'll or if he'll hit that number again and on most weeks he's an lb3 at best so you sell based on the draft capital you sell based on the name value you sell based on the career year of production because i think he just helped his managers uh, by making his price worth more than than what he actually is and um it was getting pretty pretty bad there like people were almost cutting him uh, after last season because of how poorly he played. Um, at least he boosted that value up enough for those that did hold on. You can, you have another window to sell him here. And to absolutely nobody's surprise, you have nailed all of the key points with Patrick Queen. I like the, the long-term and the short-term outlook that you provided, right? The long-term outlook being he's 
contract, right? It, it's coming to an end, and it's unlikely that the Ravens are going to extend him. It seems even more unlikely that another team that didn't invest a first-round pick in him is going to give him a bunch of money and playing time, especially as we get more and more linebackers into the league. Um, and the short-term perspective, too, which is just he came off a career year, and people like linebackers. They're shiny. They're fun. Mm -hmm. uh, man, I, I really wanted to talk about this later with another guy because I don't have a bunch of, to talk about with player i'll be talking about later and so it's a good time to bring it up but this is also a really good time to bring it up when you're trading a player away you don't necessarily have to invest that value into the same position i know that's inherently knowable we know this but oftentimes you know we kind of think about which buckets right you have a finite amount of value that you can put into different buckets on your team right you have a certain amount of value in your quarterback bucket your wide receiver bucket blah 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 all the positions i don't need to list them all and you can take value out of one bucket and pour it into another bucket. Now, granted, those individual assets can accrue value and lose value. But that being said, there are some buckets that are really easy to pour water out of, like linebackers. And there are other buckets that are really hard to pour value into, like I would like to say wide receiver or in a super flex league quarterback. In general, I think offense is harder to pour into than defense, simply because in general, managers are more confident with their offensive takes than their defensive takes, and so they're less willing to send those assets away. Patrick Queen, to me, is the ideal pour out value from the linebacker bucket and pour it into a more valuable position because he scored a lot of points. He's an exciting name. He's one of those guys that people think is really young and really valuable, and he's you know been around for a while. There are people that are desperate to be right about Patrick Queen because they have take lock and don't like to actually be wrong about things. And so this, you know, I don't need to, you know, be super long winded about it. This is a great opportunity to sell and invest into a better asset. Yes, sir. Game theory there, folks. Um, pay attention to everything Evan says because he's right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. If you have to package Patrick Queen with somebody else to, to upgrade it in a trade that you're, you're trying to push through, you want to use Patrick Queen as like a throw-in option, absolutely do it if that helps get your trade through uh, for a more valuable piece that you're looking to add to your team. So uh, 100% Evan nailed it again. So that's it. We we covered the AFC North. So we'll go on to the AFC East here. And we will start with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Evan, who are you buying from the Bills? Yeah, let me scroll to my Bills here. I, I must have messed up my whole sheet. Here we go. Found him. I should know this off the dome. You know, I've been, I've been absolutely drafting this guy in every single best ball league we're in. I talked about him last week on the show. Should I be as confident in him as I am? That is to be determined, Macri. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But Terrell Bernard, linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. It's I got to do it for the brand. And so I've hitched myself to the Terrell Bernard wagon after calling him as a breakout last week. And I'll share the same reasoning here that I did then. Tremaine Edmonds is a free agent. I don't expect the Bills to bring him back. So this leaves Bernard as one of the only linebackers left on the roster alongside Matt Milano. Yes, there is no guarantee that Buffalo abstains from signing a free agent, but Bernard was drafted in the third round of last year's draft, and I have a feeling they would like to see that investment pay dividends for their defense. I'll also throw a quick bonus one in there. Micah Hyde, he was injured for a lot of the year, but he's still under contract. Jordan Poyer is no longer under contract, so if you needed another one just for funsies, that's what you got. 
Nice. Yeah. I mean, opportunity is going to be king for Bernard, right? We, like you said, uh, Tremaine Edmonds likely on his way out. Um, this is very similar to Dexton Hill, right? This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to buy these guys low that are going to have really good opportunity. Opportunity is the biggest um, indicator of production for, for IDP. So if we can get a guy for a low price, that's going to have a good opportunity. We don't really know exactly what he is as far as like efficiency and you know big play rate and and things like that what he can provide you're you're buying yourself a ticket that could potentially hit right you think about guys like Jalen Petrie or Jonathan Owens or uh any an, any number of linebackers Zaire Franklin that we got for free last year Terrell Bernard absolutely falls into that um bucket and, and could be a big hit for basically no cost at all. So um, you try to target these guys that are just going to have starting opportunities. We'll see what the bills do in the off season. Um, who knows if they bring somebody else in. Um, but like you said, they spent the capital on Bernard. Um, I think there's a decent chance that he does get the start uh, at least this, this coming season next to Matt Milano. So um, I like the call there with Bernard. Yeah. And I think you did a really good job of contextualizing my hype there, which is this is a ticket. Right, this is a lottery ticket. This is not a $20 bill. This is not currency yet. It has the opportunity to to return, but know that there's also a chance he does exactly what he did last year, which is he plays if a starter gets injured and that's it. So, it's good to have that context. Talking about a guy who got injured for the Bills only a little bit. That's just, you know, that's the transition I got. So, deal with it, listeners, <laughs> but the linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, I talked about him already. He's a free agent. He's going to a new team and he's about to get a bag in free agency. Now, the news of him signing a new contract somewhere should bring enough attention to him for you to get a lucrative trade done. Just like I did with the Bengals safety duo. Same thing goes here. You've got a guy. I expect him to get a lot of money. And when that news comes through, oh, would you look? I have Tremaine Edmonds. Well, he just got a lot of money. Well, I mean, if you want to trade for him, you can. So I don't necessarily think the new team's going to be bad. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a worse location for him than the Bills, but any opportunity you can get to sell linebacker at or above their true value, it's worth jumping on. He's still incredibly young since he was drafted into the NFL just moments after his birth, so there should be a sizable amount of interest in dynasty circles. Yeah, that 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 leads well into my fun fact of the day. So <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds is just one year and five days older than Terrell Bernard. <laughs> Edmonds has been in the league since 2018. Bernard just wrapped his rookie season for uh, for people who didn't understand Evans' joke there about uh, him entering the league shortly after he was born. He came into the league very young, still very young, and now is going into his second contract. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think he's going to be one of the most sought-after linebackers uh, during free agency. I think uh, ending up in a more linebacker friendly scheme is possible for him. Um, so there's, there's reasons that I like Bernard still. Um, I've kind of convinced myself that he's going to Houston with D'Amico Ryans. We'll see what happens there. If that actually does uh, come to fruition, but you're right. If you can sell a guy, depending on where he goes or how excited people are for him, plus you bring in, you know, his age and things like that, selling a linebacker, very much like selling a safety there easy to move on from because they're easy to replace. And Tremaine Edmonds um, is also another player that is easy to replace. He's, he had a great year this year, but in years prior, he wasn't really doing anything special that made you think like this guy's going to be a top linebacker for, for years to come. He had, 
he kind of rejuvenated his career this year with with his best the best season of his career but um who knows we don't know where he's going we don't know what kind of defense he's going to land in we don't know how those teams are going to value them um if you can get a haul for Tremaine Edmonds like Edmonds like Evan said uh you definitely do it hey and talking about this is so off topic I'm so sorry but talking <laughs> about young players so right uh, there was the the rookie wide receiver the Bears drafted this year Velas Jones Velas Jones Velas Jones like yeah, so yeah. freaking old right uh around draft time i did a little googling just because i was really curious uh six months younger than super bowl champion juju smith schuster <laughs> just oh, just a random fun fact jeez yeah that's like uh do you remember the, the year that brandon whedon was drafted um who i'm too young i'm too young oh, okay for sorry this, man. Come on, man. well it was it wasn't that long ago but he was like 28 <laughs> years old that he was, oh, he was my a first round pick for the browns he was a quarterback um brandon oh, whedon gosh. i'm sure a lot of people remember that that aren't uh the young yes. ripe age of, of evan over here but <laughs> um i always yeah i'm always reminded of, of that and I, I picture billy madison sitting in a class full of like kindergarten Kindergarten, kindergartners when i think of those guys so <laughs> oh my goodness okay uh, i'm excited to hear your next player yeah for sure so going to the miami dolphins here my buy i probably one of my favorite buys for this uh this offseason again it's going to be jalen phillips uh i have very high hopes for jalen phillips heading into 2023 uh and some of that is based on just loving him coming out of college he was my idp2 behind only michael parsons um pre and post draft and he showed everything that had me excited about him then uh in 2022 his rookie year was good and even the like the eight and a half sacks that he had as a rookie didn't have me as excited as what he showed this year where he flashed that strong run defensibility um, while also being an excellent pass rusher that could win in a variety of ways. And we really saw that that this past year, even though he managed just seven sacks, um, he finished the year as PFF's number six graded edge defender, uh, 87.7. He posted 70 total pressures, also uh, tied for sixth, and a 19.6% win rate, which was 12th at the position. So you trust in the guys with those strong pass rush metrics and playing time uh, as well over just looking at the previous year's sack totals, which are not stable, right? We want to trust the stable metrics, like I said, pass rush metrics, playing time, things like that, because that's where you'll win. Uh, and there are easily enough IDP players uh, who only evaluate based on what they did the year before uh, or years past. And, and that's where savvy IDP managers can kind of take advantage. Uh, so Phillips has the playing time uh, combined with the stable pass rush metrics to be someone to bet highly on going forward and easily one of the better uh, buy low candidates this offseason because I don't think everybody's come around to just how good he was uh, this past season. Oh, yeah. I know Addy's just screaming, mm -hmm. listening to this <laughs> podcast. Um, man, yeah, there's not a whole lot I can say here. He's a great player. Now, I think, you know, in the long term, I'll look back on this take and see just how accurate it was. But I think the theme of defensive line at the end of this season, looking back as far as strategy goes, is I look at the Eagles and I look at just how successful every single player on the defensive line was. Why was that? Man, they were all so good. They all pressured the quarterback so well. And obviously, as a result of that, you can see on PFF, they had the number one best pass rush grade as a team over the course of the season. And because of that, a lot of their players scored a lot of points. Now, the Dolphins were fourth in the league. And I think that's notable. 
because if that team continues to improve, that team continues to develop, they could be in a situation where a lot of the players on their defensive line are productive simply because they have a lot of really good players on the defensive line. Obviously, the better your defensive line is, the more sacks your team's going to get as a whole, the more pressures your team's going to get as a whole, because it's harder to block multiple good players, right? You can block one guy, you might be able to block two, but it's hard to block all of them. And so if that team continues to improve, Jalen Phillips could just benefit from, you know, just like uh, just like Josh says, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. I think this could be a very good situation just as far as projecting down the road. And they did add uh, Bradley Chubb. Bradley, that's his name, right? Yeah. Yep. I, every time I say it, I'm like, uh, don't say Nick Chubb. Don't say Nick Chubb. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think his addition can certainly help the team as well. So I'm I'm optimistic for his future for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. We love Jalen Phillips over here. Definitely try to buy him where you can. Um, as far as selling, uh, on the Miami dolphins at a little bit, I don't have like the strongest take on this one, but I'm definitely selling Jerome Baker where I can to me. He's kind of like a less efficient version of Patrick queen to me. If that tells you <laughs> anything about how I feel about Jerome Baker, um, look, they uh, comparing him to queen. They both played over a thousand snaps last year. Both were, uh, both had over a hundred pass rush snaps. They both, uh, had four or five, uh, sacks each, but Baker landing negative 22 tackles below expected. Um, that takes into account the time that he spent rushing the passer and it takes into account playing in a man heavy scheme as well. So he's inefficient, even relative to that, um, those inefficient schemes, which is uh, surprising. So I'm, I'm out on Baker. I, I don't know how much of a return there will be for him, but he's still a starting linebacker that draws eyes um, for the most part. And some of it's because of his, his sack numbers. So if there's anybody that values him uh, in any kind of way, I, I think you try to move him again. He's another one of those guys, LB three at best. We don't know when the sacks are going to come. Um, I really just, even going in, even going to be in a new defensive scheme. I just don't want any part of him. Um, and again, we're all about selling linebackers over here. So um, if you can get a return for Jerome Baker, you do it, but yeah, I, I'm just, uh, I'm not, I'm completely out on him. Yeah, and you know, I don't know why I would have expected anything less from you because one of the things I was going to talk about was his time on the edge. But of course, in your expected tackles, you calculated the less efficient right. <laughs> playing location and the scheme that he's in. So my thought process here is, right, there are some transactions that are time-bound, right? We want to get them done before free agency starts. We want to get them done before the draft starts. We want to get them done before the season starts. And there's different reasonings that lead all to those, right? If it's the off-season, it's because somebody might you know, sign somewhere bad or get someone signed to their team. If it's the draft, it's because somebody's going to get drafted to their team. If it's, you know, if it's the season starting, it's because, well, we believe this person was more or less efficient than they should have been. And as soon as they start scoring points, we know they're not going to score the way that they did last year. Jerome Baker might be one of those few cells that could potentially be one of those wait until the season starts, not necessarily because I expect him to score more points, but because for some of those people that go back and look at game logs and they kind of see that it's going to be like, uh, yeah. not the most exciting thing. Now, granted, some people just want guys that are starting. And so great. If you find that manager, don't hesitate, make the transaction. But if you get lucky and in week one or week two, he blows up and he gets lucky and has a sack or something, boom, there's your opportunity. Now, maybe you just wait or rather you don't wait, but you know, maybe you have to because you can't sell him, but He's certainly not a drop by any means. He is an asset that has the potential 
to accrue value subject subjectively. Yeah, I was going to say subjectivity, but subjectively, <laughs> right? There could be a manager that sees a spike week and decides, yep, that's my guy. I'm going to go try and trade for him. Just trying to add some more context to the timelines of these buys and sells, but I am absolutely in agreement with you. Jalen Phillips is just not efficient and it's, you know, a little kind of confusing why that is, but the truth is the truth. He is what he is. And there's a transaction based upon it. Yeah. And, and to be fair to Baker, like he could very well have a better year um, in, in Vic Fangio's defense than what he has under Josh Boyer. But it, it's like how much of a difference that, that's going to be. I don't know. He's already shown to be kind of this inefficient player. And that tends to be more sticky when it comes to like linebacker efficiency year over year than being overly efficient. So that's kind of what worries me with him is that even in a better scheme uh, for production, I, I'm just not convinced that he's going to be worth all that much more. So um, yeah, like you said, if there's somebody that wants a starting linebacker, uh, Jerome Baker is on the block. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to uh, the New York Jets. Uh, you have a buy on the edge for them. Who do you have? Yeah, uh, can I just say Brees Hall? I mean, please, goodness. Brees Hall, I love yeah, that that's guy. the one. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Brees Hall's Famous not going to be getting you any points for tackles. So, well, mm, we'll see who they have at quarterback. We'll find out. Yeah. But uh, my my actual my actual buy, Edge John Franklin Myers. Uh, and I know this guy, is he's just talented. There's not a lot you can say. Can I call him JFM? I'm just going to call him JFM because yeah. I feel like it. So so JFM and Carl Lawson, right? They led the Jets defensive line in snaps played this season. He outproduced Lawson in the pressure, pressures generated category. And he was actually one of the most efficient pass rushers on the entire team behind only Bryce Huff, who was a rotational edge, who is receiving a lot of hype this offseason. The Jets were the third best pass rushing team, according to PFF, behind only the Eagles and the Cowboys. So there's some speculation that the Jets may cut Carl Lawson, which could spell good things for Ed Jermaine Johnson as well. So there's another buy potentially for you listeners that are really, really listening. Uh, But these two edge rushers should lead the group in snaps next year. And with continued improvement, this unit could once again be one of the best in the league. And honestly, as an added thought there, right, I was talking earlier about the Dolphins now the Jets being one of the best, also the Bills being one of the best pass rushing teams. Man, I feel so bad for Mac Jones. That must suck. Just three of the best pass rushing teams in the entire league. Man, that's that's a tough life to live, dude. That is a tough life to live. But but yeah, he's good. He should continue to have good opportunity and less competition on the edge and snaps. They're a good team. It's pretty simple. <laughs> Don't let Josh hear you that you're sympathizing with uh, Patriots players. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, I love JFM, uh, John Effing Myers. Uh, I, I wrote up our like our top uh, graded edge rushers uh, last week, I think it was, for PFF. And I called him easily one of the most underrated edges in the league. Um, and it's because of the sack totals, right? That's why he doesn't get the recognition. He doesn't have like these outrageous sack totals, but he does everything well. Uh, and he's been about as consistent of a defensive lineman as the Jets have had over the past two seasons. These are the ki- kind of guys to grab, right? For basically next to nothing in IDP leagues because you're betting on good players along the along the defensive line, which is a recipe for success in the long term, right? You want guys uh, that can win at the position uh, and and make an impact on the game in, in a variety of different ways. And Franklin Myers definitely does that. So I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I love him. I'm 
I'm adding him. I, I got him on so many rosters because he's just he's easy to plug and play. If it's a bye week or if there's a guy injured, you put in Franklin Myers. He's like the top choice off the bench almost every time. So um, definitely go out and get you some JFM. Absolutely. Yeah. Who do you got? As you know, talking here? about yeah, talking about guys that are good. He was is never a good transition for this player because uh, my cell <laughs> is 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 Quincy Williams, not to be confused with the talented brother. Um, wow, wow! I was gonna set myself up for a transition for Quinn and Williams, and then I just had a split second where I forgot his name. That's so you embarrassing. Brain farted his name. <laughs> Quincy. Yeah, well, and at least Quinn, I didn't they're... bless myself. But oh well. <laughs> uh, all that to say, Quincy Williams. He, he's a jag. No pun intended. I know he was drafted by the Jags, but just a guy. He's he's a warm body. He got some snaps, and now he's a free agent. Yeah. So could the Jets bring him back? Sure, I guess. Uh, but this linebacker free agent market is loaded. And given that Williams isn't exactly a stud on defense, they may opt to move in a different direction. Now, Quincy was 20th among all linebackers in targets from the opposing offense while playing anywhere from 100 to 400 fewer snaps than any of the other top 25 options on that list. On those targets, he gave up a reception on 85%. 85% of those targets, I should say. That's a higher rate than all but one of those same 25 linebackers that I mentioned earlier. And uh, I don't really expect him to land anywhere with favorable usage. Ah, ooh, I have one more fun stat, actually. I forgot this. He was 8th out of 25 in passer rating allowed when targeted also among those 25 guys. I thought that was pretty fun. That's some that's some PFF data for you, Macri, because uh, there's just so much good information over there. But <laughs> but yeah, right. So we got good usage with with the uh, with the Jets, and he's a free agent. He's he's not going to get signed to a team that's going to give him as favorable usage. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Um, I hope he gets you know I hope he gets some money, feed the family, or just you know mooch off your brother. But uh, it's really simple. He's a free agent. And uh, his best days are likely behind him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the way you said it there. He is, he's one of those guys. He's just a guy, right? And I don't think there's going to be many teams that view him as like a starting caliber linebacker. Um, once he hits free agency, assuming the Jets don't bring him back. And even the Jets, who knows, they they may replace him as well, um, even if they do keep him on the roster somehow. But I, I just don't see it. There's there's nothing really there with Quincy Williams. It, interestingly, I, like when I pulled his player card, you look at some of the like the first contact rate, tackle for loss, no gain rate, uh, things like that. Like he's for the most part, doing the right things to put him himself into position to make a tackle, but because of like missed tackles and over pursuing or getting blocked out of a play, he just doesn't finish at an expected rate um, for his position. And that's been the case for two years now. Uh, there's no real reason to be optimistic that that's going to change. So absolutely, you move on from Quincy Williams. I think his starting days in the NFL are done outside of maybe like an injury fill in at some point uh, in the season. All right, let's go to the New England Patriots here. Um, I'll start with the bye. So there's a chance I had this guy as a bye last year, or maybe it was Kyle Duggar last year. But um, Christian Barmore is uh, is a bye for me for the Patriots defensive tap tackle. Typically, you don't want any Patriots IDPs, so the list of guys that are actually worth acquiring is pretty thin. Although I think you could make an argument for like Duggar or Josh Uche. Um, for me, I, I want to find those diamonds in the rough, the rough being the 
defensive tackle landscape uh, specifically. So getting an interior defensive lineman with actual pass rush ability is not easy to do. And if you can't afford or don't want to pay up for a Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, Quinnen Williams, um, Jeffrey Simmons, then you may need to start small and hope for a similar trajectory in the form of somebody like a Christian Barmore, um, who is showing the signs that he can get to that point eventually. So, you know, it might be year four or something like that before he really starts to pay off, but he's already posting some of the better pass rush metrics uh, among his peers after just two seasons, uh, including top 10 marks at the position uh, in pass rush grade, 78.9, and a 17.12% win rate, which was sixth for the position. So for DT required leagues, Barmore should absolutely be on everyone's radars, but after just two and a half sacks last year, he's probably not. But again, trusting in the stable metrics is where we could really hit uh, some nice value long-term. So Go make some offers for Barmore, um, who was a dominant pass rusher uh, coming out of college, similarly to one Quinnen Williams. So you want to try to get in on these guys before they blow up because otherwise they become too expensive, uh, especially in DT-required leagues where they're very, very rare. Absolutely. I always make the same joke about the Patriots anytime I ever talk about them, which is just when I do research for my show – and I, you know, I break down all the games that happen every week and I look through all the different teams. I basically just skip the Patriots. Like right. I click it and I like, uh, I'm going to move on just because it's, it's just like you said, it's really hard to trust Patriots IDPs because yeah. they, they, they just fluctuate so highly on a week to week basis. But like you said, anytime there is a player that you have some semblance of trust in, maybe you can zig while everyone else zags and actually buy a Pats player. And if there was ever a time to do that, it would be here. Now, if there was ever a time not to do that, it would be your cell here. So I'm <laughs> I'm very invested in and uh, in your reasoning, which is you know kind of sort of along the same lines. But your reasoning here for your cell player. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of hinted at it already, right, with the Patriots IDPs, but Jawan Bentley um, is the sell for me. So coming off a career year uh, in terms of snaps played, sacks, tackles, pretty much everything, really. Um, but when you have a Patriots IDP coming off a career year, that's the first sign that you should probably sell them. I mean, hell, you could probably put Matthew Judon or Josh Uche in this spot as well. But selling linebackers coming off strong years is a much simpler game and easier to replace that production the following season, as we've already alluded to uh, multiple times in this episode. But, you know, Belichick's going to find a way um, to cut those snaps back down to the six, seven hundred that he was used to in previous years. There's also the chance that the Patriots can add at the position this offseason um, with a fairly strong linebacker class and really muck things up um, for Bentley. So he's been a really good NFL linebacker, but keeping in mind how the Patriots rotation factors in on a weekly basis, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Bentley come back down closer to those career average snaps um, next season. Yeah, it's a really simple, really simple take here. Not to say that it's not sophisticated, Macri, but no, no, it's, it's simple, simple to agree simple. with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, there's not much I can add to it. it. It makes perfect sense. It is absolutely accurate, and it falls directly in line with the precedent that we've set on this show and on previous shows, which is our, our reasoning for our, what our decision-making process is for selling players, why we do it, what we hope to gain. This is pretty cut and dry, exactly in line with that same reasoning. Definitely. 
All right, that's the AFC East wrapped uh, halfway through. So let's go to the AFC South and a very exciting team, uh, the Houston Texans. Evan, who are you buying off of the Texans? Oh, man, I got to start off by saying it, it's hard to buy anyone from the Texans, and, and you're about to see this guy's player card, and you're going to see a whole lot of red. And there's a <laughs> reason. Uh, but if you had to buy someone, I, I got to give a quick shout out to my beautiful, my beautiful co-host, Jake Cohagen, for his breakout pick, linebacker Christian Harris. Now, he was a rookie last season, and as you can see, with this just wonderful painted red sheet, he struggled a lot as a rookie which is expected from rookie linebackers. They tend to struggle in their first season. Now, you would hope that he improves moving forward. Now, what I'm not hoping on but expecting is that he gets the volume next season. Now, they have a new defensive coordinator, but that defensive coordinator is coming from the 49ers who used two linebackers a crap ton. And so my thought process here is, Right, We've got Christian Harris and we've got Christian Kirksey, the battle of the Christians. Which Christian will win out? Well, one of those guys was invested in recently, and one of those guys is an aging vet who has struggled often through his entire career. Now, you said it earlier already, there's a chance that the Texans bring in a free agent linebacker. So let me paint a picture for you. Christian Harris owner looks at his game log, is kind of unhappy. The Texans sign a linebacker in free agency. The Texans owner, oh man, my guy just got some competition. He didn't do very well last year. I better dump this asset. Boom. You step in, you buy him on the cheap, and you've got a starting linebacker for next season. How does that sound to you, Macri? That sounds good. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. So I don't think Christian Harris could be much worse than he was <laughs> in his rookie year, right? Um, like we showed the numbers there, not just in efficiency, but I mean, like legitimately some of the worst grades of the position uh, across the board. I, I, I mean, without watching like too much Christian Harris, you could already see it like just on a few snaps. You're like, what the hell is going on? But Look, you got D'Amico Ryan's coming in, uh, former linebacker. I think there's a chance that he could help him some. Um, again, I wouldn't be surprised if they also brought in somebody else, like you said. Um, but I think, yeah, you nailed it, right? He's probably the only linebacker currently on the team that is like an obvious part of their future plans, uh, at least for now. So, um, you know, we don't hate all linebackers. We don't try to sell them all. We could try to buy a few too. And buying low on Christian Harris after a really down year is not the worst idea. I think you could get him for a fairly cheap price and um yeah it could be worth it i think there there's going to be volume to be had uh under uh D'Amico ryan's in in houston still and yeah i'm with you christian kirks he's he, he's got to go too because he's been useless but um absolutely christian harris is uh is a nice little um target to try to buy low on yeah uh, hey, and if you wanted a slightly more potentially exciting buy, I also have a little bonus guy. Just the edge rusher, Ogbania Okoronkwo. He's a free agent who's pretty efficient. We'll see where he lands and if he gets the opportunity, but just, you know, keep an eye on him. You know, we just talked about a rookie who struggled a bunch in his rookie year and missed a bunch of tackles. Now, there was another rookie on the same team who people think had a much better year and yet missed significantly more tackles, which is their safety, Jalen Petrie, who is my cell. Now, again, sorry, Jake, I just gave you a big compliment, you know, earlier. Jalen Petrie is my cell because, I mean, I talked about it already. The, the base level reasoning here is he is a defensive back. 
and we do not discriminate. We will sell all defensive backs given the opportunity, but he's extremely young and he's very, very highly valued as a dynasty asset. Now, I don't necessarily think this is a blazing sell. I'm not trying to dump Jalen Petrie everywhere I have him. I don't think he's even going to get worse necessarily. Heck, he could even get better. But he is very highly valued by some people right now. And like I said earlier, pouring value from one bucket into another bucket, you don't have a lot of opportunities to pour away from the defensive back bucket in this much volume. If you're a manager that has Jalen Petrie, you probably hit the jackpot. You probably got a massive return on your investment, whether that was a late draft pick or picking up off waivers. Don't just sit on that investment. Use that return on value to invest into another position. Like I was saying earlier, you can get another Jalen Petrie later. You can get another guy that will produce, you know, 85, 90% as much as he did for cheap. Um, but, but the amount of growth that you got out of the asset investment in Jalen Petrie, cash out while you can. That's that's a simple take there, Macri. Do you have anything to add to that? No, that that that's exactly what you should be doing. I mean, IDP managers, a hundred percent, they struck gold with Petrie as a rookie. Um, you mentioned it, like you know, he could get worse, he could get better. I think the most likely uh, scenario is that we've we've already seen his peak. Right, this was a monster year as far as uh, production goes. You know, playing in a deep safety position. Now the defense is going to change a little bit too with the new defensive coordinator coming in, a whole new coaching staff. So there's a lot of different factors that could change Petrie's trajectory. People are really excited about him. So I think that yeah, that that price that you can get, that return that you can get from him, um, you cash out for top dollar and then you take some shots on guys uh, who could be the next Petrie for free um, because that's what he cost uh, last offseason. So um, 100%, yeah, that that's, that's the move for me as well. Awesome. All right, let's go to Indianapolis. Uh, I am going to actually be buying, so this is a weird one, but I'm going to be buying Shaquille Leonard. Um, I think there's definitely a risk with this one because we don't know exactly what Leonard's 2023 is going to look like with his health being in question and and keeping him out almost all of last season. Uh, I think he played just 74 snaps. Yeah, there it is, 74 snaps. So, look, he had this back surgery uh, in 2022. I think it was in November. So absolutely a reason for concern. But for those that are optimistic about modern medicine, um, he's one of the safest safest bets in the league to be a tackling machine in an every down role as long as he is healthy. So, yes, definitely a risk, but I think that risk creates the best buy window of Leonard's career for IDP managers um, who maybe have always wanted to acquire him for their fantasy rosters. Now's your time to get him while he costs very little to acquire, while there's still this doubt surrounding him. You may be able to get him added into a into a larger trade if you're looking to do it. But um, yeah, I, I'm kind of optimistic. I'm not usually uh, that optimistic of a person, but um, look, hey, I believe in modern medicine. It's you know, it's done wonders. There's there's a lot of uh, uh, miracles that they perform. So um, I'm gonna say that they're gonna fix his back and that he's gonna be back out there and uh, and racking up tackles as we like. So. Look, I, I could very well be wrong. Um, I probably will be because it, that does happen, believe it or not. But uh, I'm, I'm going to take the chance. As long as the price is low, that's where I'll try to acquire Shaq Leonard. But um, at his previous prices in previous years, there was no chance I was buying him. So 
now's a good window for that anyways. You've got more faith in modern medicine than Byron Jones does. That's for sure. Right. Oh yeah. gosh. Um, <laughs> I have a, a random slight tangent. It's relevant to the conversation, but something, mm-hmm. you know, I've just kind of thinking about, which is as far as like fantasy trade morality, like where do you fall on the line between what kind of a trade partner you want to be? Because on one hand, right. Your number one goal in fantasy football is to win, or, you know, maybe it's to have fun. You can have that debate with yourself, but one of the best ways to do that is to trade and have very advantageous trades. And so what goes into that, right? That's kind of where the gray area is as far as, you know, are you a good person? You know, when you do these kinds of things, which is, you know, finding people in your league that either don't have all of the information or telling somebody something that's not necessarily accurate. Those are the kinds of things that I tend to stray away from because I, I just think that it's wrong, but giving somebody information that you might not necessarily believe in, but is still accurate, that might be a little bit more agraria. And how that applies to this specific situation is just the fact that even when Leonard was healthy last year, if he was actually healthy, that's to be determined. But when he was on the field last year, he was still a rotational linebacker. Mm -hmm. And you could very well use that in trade conversations with someone because, you know, somebody else rostering him probably knows what his upside is and knows that if he's healthy, he's a full-time player and one of the best in the league. But you could be like, hey, you know, when he was on the field, he was splitting time with Bobby Okereke. Now, Bobby Okereke is a free agent, so I don't expect that to continue. But use that information as you will. I, I am a, in a big agreement about this this transaction. Uh, but, I, yeah, I just took a little random tangent there. But But, yeah, I like it. Yeah, you're right, though. We got to be salesmen um, or saleswomen uh, when we're, mm-hmm. we're trading, right, uh, in IDP leagues and fantasy leagues in general. Um, you, got, you got to be able to at least have some conversation if somebody has any doubt, like here are some reasons why you might want to that you never thought of, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, as long as you're not outright lying to somebody, <laughs> um, giving them information that you say you have that that doesn't actually exist or anything like that, then look, we, we all got to try to make our, our money somehow and, and win some trades and win some leagues. But yeah, you know, be reasonable about it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go with uh, my cell here for uh, the Colts. And I'm going with Yannick Ngakwe uh, at Drusher. So Ngakwe had i think yeah nine and a half sacks uh last year after 10 sacks the year before so really great numbers obviously we're we're definitely grateful for the production that uh he's already given us but we have to be mindful of the production that he can continue to give us going forward and honestly i'm not sold that it's going to continue at least at that level um for uh next season or for many more years at, at the very most so there are a number of reasons for it. Um, really, first and foremost, uh, his pass rush grade, 56.9 this year, uh, was the lowest of his seven-year career, and that definitely points towards a regression uh, in the quality of his pass rushing ability, which is essentially all he does. He's a pass rush specialist. He's been that uh, for the entirety of his career, and if that skill starts to decline, there's only so long we can bank on sack luck to carry his IDP value, right? So, uh, when you take into account uh, things like his tackle floor, for instance, uh, another thing that's been completely unreliable to depend on for him uh, when he's when he isn't getting those sacks. So finishing uh, the, yeah last at his position in tackles versus expected uh, with a negative 24.4 and just 17 total tackles on the year. So this really could be the last best chance to move on from a one dimensional player uh, whose main IDP asset has been 
really steadily declining since 2019. When you look at the pass rush grades, it's only gone down um, every year. So those sack numbers are are going to come down with it at some point, um, and it might be a steep drop as as the sack luck runs out. Yeah, and as we get farther and farther into the episode, it becomes less and less about establishing the rules of our buys and sells and more about reminding which rules we're applying to which situations. And and this is a great example of that, right? Uh, I believe he's an impending free agent. You might have even mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, great. I think, you know, right now, I was kind of thinking about this earlier today with all the best ball drafts I'm doing, but I, I'm a lot more willing to invest in guys that are not free agents, not necessarily because I just believe that all free agents are just going to end up in terrible situations, but the confidence that I have in players knowing what their situations are is is assuring and the fact that he is you know going to the unknown and you know given the fact that the Colts defensive line has struggled quite a bit at times I think it's fair to say that on a new team if he does go to a new team he's probably going to have some more competition for snaps you know you mentioned this is probably the last good opportunity to sell him I can't agree more you know I don't have a lot of a lot of sophisticated data to add to that simply because you made a great point. You made a great argument. We we've established the rules and, and now it's just, we apply those rules to each situation and, and that's how you apply it to this one. For sure. And yeah, you mentioned best ball earlier. Like he, he's the like quintessential best ball edge rusher really in, in my mind, right? Because you'll get him in your lineup on those big weeks where he gets a sack, but for the most part, he's just going to be staying on your bench because he doesn't do uh, anything else. So I, I, you know, I'd still take a shot on him late in like best ball drafts, but when it comes to dynasty, uh, we absolutely, I think have to get out at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just moving on from Ngakwe and we'll move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who are you buying from Jacksonville? Yeah, this wasn't even on purpose, so I can't give myself credit for setting up a transition, but speaking of best ball, uh, I actually did a little bit of best ball data research just on the drafts we've done so far talking about this buy, which is the edge from the Jags Trayvon Walker. Nice. So obviously he just had his rookie season and there were a couple other edge rushers that also were highly doubted, uh, highly touted, not highly doubted, gosh, highly touted coming into uh, this past season, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. And so I kind of look at those three guys as like the top three. Obviously, you know, we have some other guys, you know, Jermaine Johnson, George Koloftis. I'm not going to get into those guys. I'm really just thinking about those three guys that were taken near the top of the draft. Now, looking just at the best ball ADP, right? Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are being taken right next to each other, basically at the end of the first round as, you know, the defensive line nine, you know, seven to nine-ish. Meanwhile, Trayvon Walker is going in the fifth to sixth round as defensive line 33 on average. Now, Hutchinson ended the season with an 80.7 PFF grade and a 9.4 pass rush pressure rate. Thibodeau ended with a 72 grade and a 9.7 pressure rate. Walker ended with a 58 grade and a 9% pressure rate, which are inferior numbers, absolutely. But he wasn't drafted as a finished product. So now comes the time where I get to finally flex my chart making abilities, which are not <laughs> as cool as yours. I can't lie, uh, but I was having some fun on Excel. And so I got to pull this chart up. Those of you guys on YouTube, enjoy it. Those of you guys listen to the podcast, I'll tweet it out sometime after the show so you can check it out. But I have an argument to make for you. And this is my thesis on buying Trayvon Walker, which is that he has always been toolsy, 
right? He wasn't drafted as a finished project and he needed development. His pass rush pressure rate steadily improved over the course of the season. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect him to continue improving. As you can see, that solid blue line is trending up, showing that over the course of the season, his pressure rate increased. Now, very small sample size, maybe a little bit nitpicky, whatever. You can have your argument against him. I totally understand. Uh, but if people are willing to draft Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson as high as they are, I feel like Walker deserves at least a portion of that sophomore hype too. Yeah, this is this is a really good one. So Walker, like you said, very much still like a project player, even after one year uh, in the NFL, which we knew. We, we Everybody was pretty much aware of this. This is why he wasn't, in a lot of rookie drafts, the first edge rusher drafted, even though he was the number one overall pick, because people were aware that he didn't have all the um, the finish uh, that an Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau did in, as far as pass rush prowess and things like that. So, And I wrote about it last offseason after he was drafted, basically telling fantasy managers to not spend the draft capital on him in rookie drafts and instead wait a couple of years while he develops and then try and buy him off the team that feels like he's underperformed. Um, so you can do that after this year. You might even be able to do it after next year. Um, so there's going to be good buy windows, I think, for Walker over the next year or two before he really hits his stride in the NFL, um, assuming that that athletic ability translate to, translates to pass rush ability, um, similar to like a Rashawn Gary. It took Rashawn Gary, I think year three was when he really started to come on um, and show everything that made him a high pick uh, in the NFL draft where he really wasn't showing it uh, early on, but he had the athletic ability. So Trayvon Walker... I, I mean, a much better athlete as far as like what the metrics show and everything and his speed and all his testing um, than, than we've ever seen. So if he gets the the pass rush metrics to go along with that athletic ability, I think he could be off the charts. But I think he's one that, yeah, you can you you don't draft originally, but he's somebody that you could buy, like you said, uh, whether it's this offseason or next before he really explodes um, and starts to show, uh, you know, the production to, to to follow basically his pass rushing ability. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, talking about my sell on that same team, I, I think it's important to reestablish this buy and sell. This is always relative to the market and every league is its own marketplace. Every manager is its own individual person, right? Obviously that's buying and selling and making these transactions. And so you can only sell a player for what somebody's willing to pay for them. You can't sell a player necessarily for what you believe he's worth because you're not the one paying the price. And so that's why I think it's important to elaborate on that. As I mentioned, my sell, which is the linebacker, Devin Lloyd. And so the reason I say that is because I believe this is somewhat of a niche transaction, right? Like I said, buys and sells are always relative to the market. And Lloyd lost playing time down the stretch of last season to fellow rookie linebacker, Chad Muma. So given that, Lloyd was still an extremely exciting first round linebacker heading into last season. So if you're in a league with a manager that still values him to that degree, who's willing to completely ignore this somewhat concerning loss of playing time, you might be able to flip him for a cheaper option and profit elsewhere. So again, you know, this isn't the most intellectual take. Like I said, we've kind of varied here and there, right? We're doing ADP analysis for Trayvon Walker, looking at pressure rate. And on this one, it's just, you know, he struggled a bit in his rookie season. 
and he lost some playing time. And and the thing that, you know, is a little iffy to me, and I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about this, is, is the Jags seem to have three linebackers that they're willing to give a role to in a system that uses two full-time guys typically. And so I don't necessarily think that Foyer, your Foyasad Oluwakun, is going to be the, the one on the hot seat. And so I think it really is between Muma and Lloyd. Now there's a chance that Lloyd just, you know, next season he's the full-time guy, which is certainly within the range of outcomes, but that's within his range of outcomes. There are other linebackers and that's not within the range of outcomes. And I would rather have those guys. And so again, some managers are going to see Lloyd and say the exact same things to you that I'm saying, which is, no, he lost playing time last season. I'm not sure he's going to have a full-time role. Great. That's not your sell target. You're not selling to that manager. You have to find a manager who thinks, oh yeah, let's go. First round linebacker. Like this guy's so good. Yeah, absolutely. He's so young. He's so talented. He's going to be a starter on my team for so long. Great. Sell to that guy. And, and, and so that's your strategy. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I, 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 tend to feel like he'll be given, you know, kind of every chance to kind of get back on track yeah. and, and regain a full-time role, right? Just because they have that investment in him. I mean, technically they have the investment in, in Muma as well. They spent a day two pick on him, but it's not quite the same as like a, a, a first round pick. But so I, I, I still really like Lloyd as, as a prospect. And I think there's yeah. definitely some potential for long-term fantasy success. So I worry a bit that, you know, most are aware of the situation from last year and the return might not be ideal. But like you said, you're not selling to those people. You're selling to somebody who's more optimistic. Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm be you know, more optimistic about him. He did get to play a little bit more um, down the stretch last year over Chad Muma. And, you know, just looking even at like the first, I think it was three weeks. And again, small sample size, the first three weeks of the year, but he was, you know, that all the struggles that um, came later in the year, they weren't anywhere near. He was being talked about as one of the most exciting, young, best linebacker prospects out there because he was playing so well on the field. He was making plays. He was doing everything. And the grades backed that up as well. But for whatever reason, that just started to decline uh, as the season went on. And then his, his confidence got shook and they started to mix him in uh, with Muma. So I think another full off season that the, the get him out there. They'll try to work with him a little bit more, probably get him on the field more, but it's a risk, right? That's, that's the thing. He, he now carries this risk with him and, and for people that are risk adverse and, and don't want to take part in, you know, what could be a, a shaky situation, then yeah, you move him for anybody that's, that's optimistic and is willing to pay a price for him. So um, yeah, yeah, I hear you for sure. And, and I'm glad that you say that. And I'm glad that you don't just, you know, go into this and say, yes, I agree. Right. And, and I appreciate that context because I think it allows for another opportunity to, to kind of explain the buy and sell situation. Like imagine just like a number line in between a zero and a 10 and the zero, I guess I'll have to mirror it for YouTube. And the zero <laughs> is like a 0% chance that this player is good. And a 10 is a hundred percent chance right. that this player is good. Ask yourself where you are on that number line. Give yourself mm -hmm. a number. Maybe that number is eight. And you're like, I'm an eight. Yeah, like, I guess technically I could be a 10, but I'm an eight just because I'm a little iffy about it, right? So the eight, if the eight is the one that has Devin Lloyd, maybe the eight would sell to a 10. But there are also people out there who are a six. And maybe the six is the one that has Devin Lloyd. And just like Macri was saying, if you're the eight, sure, you might not be a 10, but you can still buy him from the team that's a six if you think you can make a profit on that transaction. So every buy and a sell is is just a speculative, where are you on this scale of your confidence or how much you like this player? 
there is always a chance somebody likes a player even less than you do, even if you don't necessarily like a guy, and maybe you could consider buying them. And if there ever was a guy to do that, oh my gosh, Devin Lloyd is absolutely that guy. I still love him. I still think he's super good. I hope, I hope, I hope that you're absolutely correct and he returns to that full-time role. Because if that happens, great. I think we'll be all the better for it. Every single linebacker that gets a full-time role is is good in my book. And so that's that's our context for the situation. <laughs> I like it. I like the analogy. That that's a great way of, of putting it. And I think helps people kind of understand, you know, why you should sell and and to who you should sell as as well. So that's that's perfect. Um so yeah, let's go to the Tennessee tight ones here. I am buying edge rusher Harold Landry. So people who only just started watching football last year are like, who the hell is Harold Landry? And look, I, I get it. I know I've already highlighted one player coming off a significant injury with, uh, with Shaquille Leonard. But for those that aren't scared of taking the risk with a high payoff, I think Landry is one of those guys that you could likely acquire now for a much cheaper price um, now than what he was coming off of his huge 2021 season where he had 12 sacks. Um, look, the pass rush grades have never really been kind to Landry. Uh, and he's been one of those kind of like compiler edge rushers um, that put up great production because he played a ton. Uh, he played over a thousand snaps in, in 2020 and then nearly a thousand again in 2021. The man was certainly playing with fire when it comes to tempting the injury gods with all that playing time. Uh, and ultimately, that's what caused him to, to miss the entire 2022 season. But that being said, if there was a player that I was going to bet on coming into 2022, putting um, those pass rush tools together and significantly improving their pass rush grade um, before the injury, obviously, it would have been Landry. Um, so, it, you know, now coming off the ACL, it might take a little bit of time, but he definitely strikes me as a player who can maybe uh, fit that billing of, of putting it together this coming year, like a Max Crosby light, if you will. Um, maybe we could call him a Min Crosby. Uh, the the year um, that think about Crosby, the year that he exploded with like a 101 pressure season and a 91 pass rush grade. Again, not to necessarily say that it will be that. Uh, much of a high, but I think he has the talent to come close, um, maybe like a 70 pressure or 80 pass rush grade type of year, um, because he, I think he is that level of player, even though the grades and the, the metrics haven't really shown it. He could be one of those guys that it's taking a little bit of time for those numbers to come through. And that's when we're really going to be excited about him. But uh, he's somebody that I'm going to try to buy low on right now. Yeah, I really, really like this. Harold Landry, I, I hate to keep bringing up best balls. You can tell I've been a little obsessed doing all this research for these. I'm joining literally every single one, but uh, he, he's a guy I'm, I'm targeting a lot in these because he seems to be going you know, pretty late, right? You get a lot of these you know, proven high volume, high production guys that are going mm -hmm. up at the top. Harold Landry is like falling into the fourth and the fifth round among guys that are much less of a sure thing. And I think it's also important to add the context Harold Landry's injury happened, I think, what, in the preseason, before week one, maybe even yeah. in the offseason? It was a very, very early injury, right? Not all ACLs are the same. Some ACLs happen in August. Some ACLs happen in December. Mm -hmm. So if there was a guy, right, Rashawn Gary's a great example, right? Much, much later injury. Jordan Brooks, God rest his soul. He's not dead, but he, he needs all <laughs> the help he can get, right? Late, late injuries, if there was a guy that I would like to bet on that had an injury of this caliber coming back and being healthy and being willing to be 
not being willing, but being able to be productive, he would absolutely be Harold Landry. And I love all those points that you listed as far as, you know, his volume and his opportunity to improve. I'm optimistic for him. And of course, it's just, you know, the tried and true buying a player that's coming off an injury that you know is good. It's one of the best opportunities to buy someone. And so I'm 100% in on this. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I, I like that. That kind of proves it there like we were talking about with the best ball of him falling especially after that that big 2021 season that would have never happened but the injury does it creates these these windows that we could buy them at a cheaper price and i think harold landry definitely fits that bill um as far as a sell on tennessee tennessee's another one of those defenses that there's not like a ton of value to be had so i went with roger mccreary uh who is a cornerback uh, and I get that putting a corner on this list is dumb and who the hell is buying corners, blah, blah, blah. But believe me, uh, there are people who want corners that they think they can plug and play and not have to worry about the position each week. And, and that's where you can utilize a guy like McCreary as a like a trade sweetener, basically, to help boost a deal that you're trying to, to get done. Um, you know, coming off his rookie t- rookie year too, so that's that's one selling point in dynasty. Uh, posting eighty plus tackles, which is like top five or six at the position. Um, but just putting that into context, when you consider that he played over eleven hundred snaps, which is more than any other defensive player in the league in 2022 uh his 81 tackles actually put him at minus 13.4 tackles below expected on the year so he's not some like special tackler that we might think uh that we that we might think of him as looking at his season totals um just one interception on the year as well ranked outside the top 100 at at his position in big play rate forced incompletion rate all those things um that are a little bit more uh well forced incompletion rate at least is more stable uh year to year for corners so anyone that's staring at him on their roster and thinking you know this guy was great for me last year i don't want to lose him don't worry you're not losing anything special he is a corner after all and if you get anything for a cornerback in idp leagues or use him in uh to sweeten another deal like i said you do it and you don't look back yeah you covered it in in lieu of of repeating the same information i'll just kind of add some context to some some trade ideas as far as like putting a player on the trade block, I, I was kind of thinking like, would you put somebody like, you know, Roger McCreary on the trade block? I would advise against that kind of stuff. I think in general, the instant you put somebody on the trade block, they instantly lose their value a little bit. And so in lieu of that, I would say one of my favorite things to do, and and some people find this annoying. And so, you know, to each their own, but, you know, messaging people and letting them know some people on their team that you're interested in, and then having them tell you some people on your team that they're interested in, and then just choosing from the list. I'm sure there's at least one manager out there in your league that if you gave them the opportunity, that might just throw Roger McCreary in there as I guess so-and-so as well. And so if you can find that opportunity, great. That might be the way that you go and do it. Uh, but I mean, obviously there are a couple exceptions to throwing somebody on the trade block loses their value. Like some of my league mates know my uh, extremely annoying habit of putting a player on the trade block two seconds after they score a touchdown. So obviously that <laughs> might not necessarily be the the situation I'm referring to, but um, you know, don't just throw them out there and be like, Hey, anybody want this guy? Because if you say that, like automatically people are going to be like, all right, this guy's worthless. I'm not going to pay much for him. So just, just be aware of the messaging that you put out, put yourself in someone else's shoes and imagine how they would respond to the messaging that you're putting out about your interest to sell players. 
Perfect. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> um, all right. Let's go to our final division here in the AFC, and that is the AFC West. We will start with the Denver Broncos. Evan, let's ride. Yeah. Hey, I talked about it earlier, right? We have our formula for what makes somebody a qualified buy candidate. It worked for Dax Hill. It's going to work for Denver safety, Caden Stearns as well. It's entirely dependent upon the Broncos choosing not to re-sign Kareem Jackson. Um, and when Justin Simmons, their other safety, right? So Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons. Uh, when I was new to IDP, I would always listen to these podcasts and hear these player names. Be like, Wait, who the heck is that? Wait, who the heck is that? So I, I'm trying not to do that. But Kareem Jackson is their free safety. Justin Simmons are strong safety. Don't hold them to those titles too heavily because... Uh, they've got a new defensive coordinator, so things are all subject to change. But when Justin Simmons, who was one of their starting safeties, when he was injured from weeks two through five, Caden Sturds filled in for him, averaged five tackles a game, and even snagged two interceptions against the corpse of Matt Ryan in the worst football game the world has ever seen. <laughs> so if Stearns secures a starting role, I would expect him to be a start-worthy safety in most formats. Again, this isn't some Kyle Hamilton-tier player. I don't expect him to be anybody that's out here you know, blowing up the charts with stats. Uh, but there are some leagues that are deeper. We're in one together. It's a, you know, it's a 14 teamer. You start like four or five or 20 DBs. And, you know, in that kind of format, right? Caden Stearns could be your guy. And just like we said with Dax Hill, just like we said with a couple other guys like Terrell Bernard, this is your lottery ticket. He's cheap. See if he cashes out. If he doesn't, drop him, move on with your life. Uh, but hey, buy some lottery tickets. This is fantasy advice, not real life advice. I don't recommend buying actual real life lottery tickets. The end. That's my take. I like it. Yeah, that a hundred percent. That's that's the thing with buying these guys now before free agency as well. We're we're making a bet on a guy for basically nothing um, and hoping that that lottery ticket hits. So uh, it can absolutely hit with Caden Stearns. We, we've already touched on this similarly with you know guys like Daxon Hill. Um, as well and, and Terrell Bernard. So uh, exact same reasoning here. These are guys that you can get cheap, cheap, cheap right now um, that could be starters for you once the, once the season gets going. Awesome. So let's go to your cell here. Who yeah. Hey, what would be a podcast with Macri without mentioning Alex Singleton and his long yes. greasy hair? So Alex Singleton, the tackle efficiency God, is my sell option here. And man, like is, there are some things in life that I, I wonder if we'll ever understand. Like, you know, how do black holes work? What's at the center of black <laughs> holes? You know, what happens after you die? And what the heck is Alex Singleton doing with such a high tackle efficiency? Uh, I'm excited for you to, to mention his tackles over expected. I'm going to save that bombshell for you. But oh my goodness. Uh, all that being said, he's a free agent. There's no certainty where he's going to sign and the likelihood that he's going to be able to maintain this rate of play in a different system is pretty low, right? Right. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> you, you would think I, I have to assume so, right? It's just like the, you know, the whole, you know, keep betting against Tom Brady. Eventually he's going to get old. You got to wonder, right? Eventually Alex Singleton is not going to have the world's most insane tackle efficiency. Either way, find a manager in your league who sees Alex Singleton as a high tier, high T even starter. Pawn him off to them. It's really simple. I, I'm excited for you to, to share some of those underlying <laughs> metrics for the listeners because they are insane. 
Yeah. So so first off, it's Alex Kingleton. Okay. Mm. Let's put some respect Alex Kingleton. The man's <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, but no, you're right. The guy is—he was an efficiency god. Uh, it, it's it's kind of crazy. So he finished with 58.4 tackles over expected, which is just an unreal number. Um, because mostly because the guy had like two—I think yeah, two 20 tackle games uh, this season, and just every single play he was there around the ball. I don't know what it is that greasy hair of his gives him some superpowers that is like a magnet to the ball um, because he did the same thing the year before with the Eagles. He was plus 33.8 the year before um, and which was like third at the position. So top three numbers and tackles over expected in both uh, of the last two years. And yeah, you look at the tackle efficiency, 21.6% tackle efficiency when the average is 13.3 for a linebacker. Look, it, it's going to be very, very easy to expect regression for, for Alex Singleton. I, for one, I'm not betting against him. Look, but no, no, I actually, I would bet against him because that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. I, I mean, the guy, he, he's heading into free agency, like you said. So another defensive system, who knows how that team will value him. Do they see this? Do they really see this guy as a starter? He's never really been viewed as that. He's just kind of, kind of fallen into a starting role in each of the past two years um, or three years, really. He did it twice in Philly. So look, he had a career year in terms of grades. I think he could land in another starting spot potentially in 2023, depending on who adds him, but it's definitely a risk. So you're betting against him being relevant again, you know, could be a move now um, before months of free agency potentially go by without him getting signed that you can, you know, you sell him now for that reason before, um, you know, it, it takes him a long time before a team takes him on. I, for one, am campaigning for him to go to Seattle while Jordan Brooks is likely to miss um, time and also to replace Cody Barton, because I think that's where he can have, he could continue to be that efficiency god that we know him as, um, but there's there's probably not a very high chance that that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. you. If if the price is high, you have to sell because it's just it's unreal. If he does it again next year, I, I don't know. I mean, we're just going to have to put the guy in the IDP Hall of Fame um, immediately after next season if he does it again. I like that landing spot a lot. I, I think he'd be useful there. I, the only other thing that I can imagine Macri just just losing his mind over, right? Singleton goes to Seattle and he's joined by the his fellow long-haired compatriot Alex Anzalone. Oh man. Could you imagine the comparison up? in numbers there between those two? Alex Anzalone would be like looking around trying to figure out where the ball is. The play would have been over five minutes ago. The Singleton <laughs> made a tackle at the line of scrimmage. It's just the the difference in those two um and their tackling abilities is unreal. But the hair, oh yeah, both very greasy and disgusting. The only thing that could possibly save him, the only thing that could possibly save uh, Anzalone is just another another linebacker that absolutely makes up for his lack of playing by just overcompensating. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's literally it. Oh, man. Um, all right, let's move on to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders here. Um, so I am buying a, another linebacker. So not many linebacker buys for me, but I got one here, and that is Divine Diablo. Uh, the fighting chicken. I really like what Diablo put on the field in 2022, even though his season was cut short by injury. So yes, another injury guy that, you know, 
it happens. Look, a lot of players get hurt. I can't help that. And uh, and like it or not, it does bring their trade price down. So I'm in as a buyer for Divine Diablo. I think playing in the Raiders defense, which really isn't the most linebacker-friendly defense on paper, um, despite even Denzel Perriman thriving there the year before, um, and Diablo really doing it in in doing it this season in seven games. But that's what I kind of like about these guys that can overcome their circumstances and still be an overly efficient tackler. He was plus 12.7 tackles over expected last year. Uh, the coaching staff doesn't change from last year. So I think they really liked him. They started him over Perriman and I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they don't add anyone. That's a real threat to start over him in 2023, especially with so many other holes to fill on that roster. Uh, there aren't really many linebackers I see as a buy right now, but especially before free agency. But I think that the fighting chicken is one that's worth targeting this offseason. I absolutely agree. I mean, obviously, he's got one of the greatest names ever. Uh, converted safety, I believe, from the draft, which yep. is just another reason to love him because I just think that's the way the league is trending, is having these linebackers that are obviously experienced and capable of, of playing coverage. But uh, hey, I, I keep mentioning, I keep mentioning it. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep doing it. The, the best ball leagues absolutely verify what you're saying. He's going way later than I believe he ought to. He's, you know, I'll have to pull it up. I really wish I did ahead of time, but the guys that he's going around are not as sure of a thing as I believe Diablo is. And so, um, you know, if you're in an opportunity, wherever you are, listener to, to buy this guy, obviously test the waters, see what the, you know, the manager that's rostering him thinks about what to expect from him moving forwards. Um, but, but yeah, make the move. I, I'll even pose this question to you, Macri. I'm curious, do you think it would be better to buy him now before free agency? Because maybe there's a chance the, the manager is worried that somebody takes over his job, or do you think it might be better to even wait till after free agency? And let's just say, theoretically speaking, right. There are two options that happen after free agency. Either they don't sign someone or they do sign someone, even in the event that they do sign someone, do you think maybe, it's worth even buying a potential dip there because you you trust Diablo to have that starting role. Yeah, I guess it depends who it is that they potentially sign, but I'm I'm kind of of the belief that they're not really going to address the linebacker position at least to any significant um, in any significant way uh, in free agency. So I I'm for buying him, you know, kind of before free agency while there's some like ambiguity out there. Will they sign somebody? Will they not? Um, and, and while that role is still kind of in question, whereas if free agency passes and they still haven't signed somebody, it kind of solidifies his position a little bit more as time goes on, right? That he is going to be the starter there. So, um, yeah, I think, I think getting him now, I think you can get him for a cheaper price, uh, potentially assuming like if you're of the assumption that I am is that, that they're not going to address the linebacker position um, in free agency. I think you can get them a cheaper price now than later in the, in the off season. Yeah. You know, I think you make a really good argument. I, I, I think I agree with you there. That's a good point. Nice. All right, let's go to uh, the cell for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I am going with Chandler Jones. Honestly, it, this is very similar to like the Browns. There isn't many valuable players on the defense to try and get a decent return on so this one this was a tough one but jones does still at least hold some name value even at 33 years old look he, he had just four and four and a half sacks in 2022 after 10 and a half in 2021 so um the buy window was absolute or the sell window sorry was absolutely last year uh but he's not far removed from that double digit sack season 
The pass rush grade took a big hit this year, though, with a career low 60.4. There may not be another opportunity to move on from Jones. So finding a contender who maybe is in need of edge depth, uh, sending him that way so that you can at least get something from one of the best sack artists of his generation, basically phrasing it in that kind of way uh, might be the only way to get him out of there because I think uh, we are seeing pretty much the end of Chandler Jones. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And hey, and that's why it pays to be on top of things because managers that listened to the show earlier in the season or in last season, I should say, already knew this was coming for him. I don't know why, for some reason, I thought Chandler Jones might be a free agent. He absolutely is not, and he's definitely locked in the team. He's not going anywhere. Uh, I mean, they have a potential that in 2024, maybe, uh, but but he's locked in, so he doesn't even have a change of scenery to potentially peak in interest. But, but yeah, I, you know, he's been great. His time has come. All players have to regress at some point. And uh, some players regress faster than their name does. And, and this might be an opportunity to sell it. So it's a pretty simple take on my end. I agree with you there. I, I, I definitely think he's, hey, whatever you can get for him, go for it. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the Los Angeles Derwins. Who is your buy for the Chargers? Hey, I mean, let's just say an honorary Derwin, right? But, yes, always uh, buy Derwin. <laughs> this might be the most obvious buy of all time, but I picked Joey Bosa because, like, of course, right? We talked about this already. A player that's a stud, a player that's going to be really, really good coming off an injury. We talked about it with Harold Landry. We even talked about it with with uh, Miles Garrett as far as an opportunity to buy a player of that caliber. But, man, Joey Bosa, it's perfect. Uh, you know, and I don't want to, like, celebrate necessarily any injuries, of course, but but the opportunity here is 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 primed for a buy if you're in the right situation with the right manager, because he was injured most of all of last season mm-hmm. and any manager who rostered him for that year almost certainly felt his lack of production. So will he be relatively expensive? Sure. But make no mistake, Bosa is healthy and ready to produce fantasy points once again. I mean, he came back for the team at the very end of the season. And so it's not like you're out here worried if he's going to actually be healthy for the start of the year. He's healthy right now to this day. He's healthy right freaking now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's it. That was, I got really excited there, and then I lost my train of thought. But <laughs> by by Joey Bosa, like, yeah, this is it. This is the opportunity. Do it. If you've been missing a guy of his caliber, wait no longer. Make it happen if you can. Find the manager. Ask the question. Make the trade. Yeah, uh, you're you're spot on. Right. I, I mean, look, the guys. He's going to be just 28 at the start of the year, and I think because of the injuries, like you said. That's what the that's where the frustration comes from. Current Joey Bosa managers is that they're frustrated with the injuries; they don't get to use them. But when it comes to elite pass rushers, there might not be a more consistently dominant player uh, since he entered the league. I, I mean, four of the seven years uh, that he's been in the NFL, he's posted a pass rush grade above ninety. Uh, two more above eighty. Look, if he can stay healthy, you're buying a top tier option at the position, um, and likely from someone who is very frustrated with the injuries and you are taking a shot like the, the injuries they've been annoying but when he's on the field there's not many pass rushers that are as good as him um at winning at the line of scrimmage and then obviously finishing as well so um yeah I, i'm going joey bosa uh i like that i like that call with you 
So another question I have for you, and, and I hate to put you on the spot because I don't necessarily know if there's a right answer. This is really just more of a like, what's your opinion? Sure. I, I don't know if I necessarily believe in just the concept of injury proneness. I know that there are a couple injuries that statistically have a high chance of re-aggravation and there are certain timelines and all that kind of stuff. But as far as like completely unrelated injuries, like just a player having, you know, a shoulder and then a knee mm -hmm. and then a hip or whatever, like... I don't know if I personally believe that there is such a thing as just, you know, somebody being made of glass. Now, obviously there are some things like what position you play and, and how you play. Like if you're a quarterback and you take a lot of unnecessary hits. Uh, but I'm curious for your perspective, like, do you, do you see Joey Bosa as a kind of player that just has a higher chance of injury than other guys? Or has he just been extremely unlucky for some reason? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't, buy too much into the like injury prone narrative as well looks these things happen it's the nfl these guys get hurt all the time there's i think there's a huge part of a huge part of it is is just being unlucky um like you said if it's you know if it's the same injury over and over again or if it's you know two years the guys had to have an acl surgery on the same knee back-to-back -back years or something like that but it's usually different injuries for a lot of these guys. Sometimes they just happen in a condensed period of time where we start to get frustrated with it. And that's where the injury prone label comes from. Um, but then you look at it after that and, and it, it seems to go away. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Joey Bosa people that are selling Joey Bosa, it's, it's probably almost always going to be because of the injury stuff um, and not because they're frustrated with his level of play when he is on the field, because he is, he is an elite player when he's on the field. So um, yeah, you're, you're using the injury as a, as a buying point from the buying perspective. And I'm not overly concerned about it, to be honest. Yeah. And, and Hey, talking about guys that, you know, managers have been satisfied with their level of production while they're on the field. Boom. Myself, the linebacker for the chargers drew tranquil. Um, you know, I, I don't have some sort of vendetta against this guy. It's not like I think he's bad, but it's a pretty simple transaction. He is an impending free agent. He played a ton of snaps in 2022 and he scored lots of points because of that. He ended the season as the linebacker seven in big three scoring. So why sell the guy? Because his talent doesn't necessarily line up with the production. It's not hard to earn snaps when your only competition is Kenneth Murray <laughs> And it'll be much harder for him to be an every down player on his next team, wherever that is. Now, sure, you know, maybe the Chargers just resign him. That's certainly possible. But again, let's bring out that number scale again, right? You have, where's my hand, right? We have a zero here. We have a 10 here. Where are you on that scale? Find a manager that's a 10 that sees Drew Tranquil as linebacker seven. Where are you on that scale? Are you a seven? Are you a six? Are you like a, yeah, like maybe there's a slight chance that he gets re-signed by the Chargers. And if he does, I guess maybe I expect him to have a chance at producing at a similar level. There are other managers that have more faith in him than you do. Find those managers, sell him to them. Super simple. Yep. Nope. Uh, I, I'm with you again. I mean, look, the, the free agent thing is, is obviously a big one. We don't know where he's going to play. And you're right. It, it is it's a lack of competition there for him. Um, maybe Bobby Wagner stays in LA and joins the chargers, right? We don't know what's going to happen um, with the tranquilizer here, but I'm absolutely for uh, selling him off of a career year um, in terms of production and, and pretty much everything really. So uh, if you can get a good return for Mr. Tranquil, then you definitely do it. Um, 
let us finish it off here with the Super Bowl champions, uh, the yeah. Kansas City Chefs. We are buying edge rusher George Karloftis, uh, furious George Karloftis, that is. Um, we got to see a ton of Karloftis as a rookie, which included 700-plus snaps in the regular season and then nearly another 100 uh, over three playoff games. So a really nice workload for a rookie in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And look, the grades weren't amazing for him as a rookie, but Evan talked about it earlier. We don't expect players to grade out amazing as rookies uh, right away. It doesn't matter where they're taken in the draft. It's just part of the development a lot of the times. But um, and and there really aren't a lot of rookie defensive linemen who do grade well. So we've we've talked a lot about the transition um, from playing uh, from from college to pros, playing head to head against college level athletes versus NFL level athletes. It takes time uh, for these defensive linemen to really hit their stride. And, and considering the amount of reps that Karloftis and a lot of this year's rookie edge class really actually in year one, um, we could see that development path, I think, accelerated enough where those underlying metrics start to come to fruition sooner rather than later with him. And considering his volume alone, he'll still have value, value as an IDP, even without great pass rush metrics. So I really like George Karloftis. Um, I, I think the opportunity is going to be there once again next season uh, and and for multiple seasons, especially as a first-round pick. So I am all in on uh, Furious George. Yeah, I love this. N- you know, no surprise there, obviously. I love this. I think something that I'm kind of imagining here is, right, There's there's a lot of different kinds of buys and sells and a lot of different kinds of assets that we could acquire or send off. There's small buys and there's big buys. There's a small buy with a great potential for improvement. There's a big buy with a small potential for improvement. The way that I see George Karloftis here, right? Uh, Listener, I want you to reverse engineer a massive return on investment at the defensive line position, at the edge position, right? Imagine that you've got an absolute stud. How did you get there, right? It was a slow process of growth. The guy started off as a relatively inexpensive asset, got better and better every single year, and is now considered a very high-level asset that produces a lot. That's George Karloftis, right? Reverse engineer it, and you could very well have your next asset for that growth process, which is George Karloftis. So I think that this is a really good combination of a cheap buy, with also a massive opportunity for improvement in value. I think as far as IDP specifically goes, right, defensive line compared to linebackers and compared to safeties is one of the most important positions. They hold their value more year to year. Um, Now, maybe they don't score as many points as linebackers. Maybe they're not as flashy necessarily as defensive backs, uh, but their position is the most reliant upon skill. And I think that there is plenty of optimism that George Kaloftis has the skill and has the staying power to be that kind of long-term defensive line uh, asset that you would want to build a dynasty team around. Absolutely. We love them. All right. And our final player on the list, uh, it's myself from the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going with another edge rusher. This time it's Frank Clark. Um, I think we have to give Frank Clark some credit 
for having like a productive postseason. He had three sacks in three games, 11 pressures, got the attention of the Super Bowl, because all those things really should have helped actually boost his value in IDP markets enough where we can move him for something before he's almost inevitably released at some point this offseason. Um, the Chiefs will save $21 million in cap by cutting the underperforming, uh, some would say ass pass rusher <laughs> with the team uh, currently about three and a half million over the cap. It looks like Kansas city. So um, yeah, it's looking very likely he's not on the team next season, in which case who knows where he'll end up, but I don't have a lot of hope for Clark as an IDP. We've seen what he is. The guy is consistently, consistently underperforming. Um, he's been the definition of mid since signing that big deal uh, with Kansas city back in 2019. So if you could get anything for Clark, thanks to you know the attention that he got in the Super Bowl, and he he, he played fairly well over there, at least production wise, um, then then you you, you got to move on at this point because there's there's really no um, redeeming qualities for Frank Clark at this point. Hey, and and props to you for sharing some of those positive statistics at the beginning. I'm sure that must have been really difficult for you. <laughs> it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just you know making like vomit faces over here Ugh. uh yeah yeah uh, we, we'll have to we'll have to like brainstorm some some good nicknames for him you have been just showering me with so many great nicknames i need to remember all these because they are their mainstays and they're they're very valuable i don't know how i feel about stank clark i don't think that one quite has the the opportunity to stick around but yeah. i'm sure we'll find something <laughs> Although I think probably in your imagination, he has no need for a nickname because we won't be saying it all too much moving forward. There you go. Yeah, he's not deserving of one for the most part. But hey, we're on the YouTube now, so sound off in the comments uh, like they like sound to off say. In the comments. And, uh, that's a, that's the, the famous YouTube line, right? So oh, yeah. <laughs> let us know. Um, what is Frank Clark's nickname? But uh, that's it, man. We uh we did it. It was a big one, big episode. Obviously, I think what did we cover? Like 32 players on here. So a big chunk of names for dynasty managers to to consider um in part one of the buy sell series. So a big thank you to the young king for joining me and helping me break it all down, sharing his picks and his insight. Evan, hopefully you remember you were on the show after we wrap here, but thank you again uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. Of course. It's always a blast coming on with the legendary PFF Macri. Um, I always love being on the show with you. You are one of my absolute favorite people in the industry to follow on Twitter, to talk to, to dialogue with Uh, what you do is, is revolutionary. And, and I don't just say that because I'm on the show and I get to say it. You know, I, I would say this to anybody if they ever asked me. Um, I really appreciate what you do. And so I'm I'm very pleased that that I get to be here talking with you. It's it's such a great opportunity. And so listeners, you know, appreciate it what you got because it is it is one of a kind, truly. I, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. That uh, very flattering, and and the check is in the mail, so it should get to you uh, <laughs> hopefully early this next week. So, <laughs> but no, I, I really appreciate it, Evan. The the feeling is likewise. I, I really appreciate all the work that you do and the insight that you provide. I think it really helps people understand, like you say, the game theory that you dive into as well. So, um, I think that's very very important, and I think very helpful for a lot of fantasy managers uh, who want to win because that's what we're all about here. We're trying to help people win. So Evan, 
please let the good folks know where to find you and your work uh, so that we can make sure that we're always following. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the whole, the whole tried and true hosted the IDP game theory podcast, obviously contributor here at the IDP show. I also write for footballguys.com. As for now, the, the majority of my work is going to be on Twitter at IDP Evan. I'm, you know, for as often as I'm on my phone, which is too often, I will be covering whatever I see with free agency. I've been doing a lot of research this offseason about team landing spots and, and player opportunities. And so, you know, whenever I see news and I'm around, I'll go ahead and retweet whatever the news is and, and share whatever my thoughts are and try and be timely with that. Just in case you're one of those managers that is also on your phone too often and you want to get a head start on adding guys from waivers, I'll do what I can to help you out there. But uh, that's about it for me. Beautiful. There we go. All right. And as for me, you can all you can find all my work on pff.com. Um, some of the newer fantasy content from me on the site right now, uh, top 250 dynasty IDP rankings. And then I'm starting the target avoid series there as well. I started with the defensive lineman, uh, which came out uh, this week. So be sure to check that out and we will keep pumping it out all off season long. Next episode, we continue the buying and the selling as we head to the NFC with IDP Jake, Jake Colhagen. So be sure to tune into that one as well. Uh, and until next time, ID peace out.